bless God, to celebrate a day we celebrate every day. Resurrection Day. The only reason we're smiling and we have hope, and as Patty was saying, is because uh, is of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, the crucifixion is meaningless, torturous, and just another criminal dying on the cross. Another lunatic that claimed divinity, but yet when he went to the grave and he, he met his match, but not so with Christ. Uh, would you turn to Romans chapter 1 as I burp my way through? I got hiccups. I forgot them since last night, and they're not going away, so please pray for me. I got hiccups. Lord, help me. I don't know what my wife cooked last night, but I've had hiccups ever since. Oh, I cooked, that's right. Alright. Bless God. I will read Romans 1 verse 4, and I will draw my comments from the one verse of Scripture today on the resurrection. Some thoughts about it. Uh, this is not a familiar text when it comes to t- teach about the resurrection. We, we usually go into one of the Gospels. But there is some important insight here that uh, the Apostles talking about that I think applies for our lives. And uh, it's interesting, as Patty was exhorting us, and he kept on saying several times, the Son of God, the Son of God. And that is the message. The, the resurrection, as we're going to see, is a proof that he's the Son of God. And we will speak about that as we go to Romans chapter 1. I'll just read verse 4. And he was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus is the Son of God. We thank you you proved it by raising him from the dead, Father God. We thank you that you raised him from the dead by the Spirit of holiness, Father. We thank you that we know now because the Spirit of holiness, the Son of God himself, dwells within us and we cry, Abba, Father. We thank you, Father God, that something that took place 2,000 years ago is still saving sinners today, still giving them new life, still giving them a living hope, still giving them power over sin, Father God. We thank you that the resurrection is still up and running, Father God, as believers live within their own spiritual resurrections, Father. We ask you to breathe upon this verse of scripture today. Make it come alive into our own culture. Make it relevant for our own life today, Father God, as we step back 2,000 years ago and we try to understand something of what the disciples went through when they saw Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. In his name I pray. Amen. As I said, the crucifixion, as we went through the other day, was truly just one big bloody mess. There's no question about it. And, uh, but without a resurrection, uh, it really is all meaningless. We looked on Friday night about the judicial side of the nature that the debt was paid, a propitiation. God was appeased. It was God's design. God is so holy. Only God knows the severity. And I, I want you to notice, Christians, I, I can't comprehend it. Only God knows the severity of sin. In all its ramifications, all its devastation, to me, you know, let bygones be bygones and we'll just keep on going. But God knows that sin 
is against his person, against his holiness, against his very nature. So if God demands justice, so be it. We all cry out for justice. We all have a sense of justice in us. I mean, if we see a shooting and a massacre in Connecticut, there is an outcry. It's a, it's, it's a reflex within us for justice. If we are wronged, we scream for justice. If someone cuts us off on the highway, we scream inside for justice. Justice is a natural cry within the human heart. So much more with God. Sin is an injustice against God's perfect nature and God's perfect creation. So when you see things like uh, murderers will not come into the kingdom of God, you and I would say, I agree. Or drunkards, we might say, I agree. But between drunkards and murderers in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 are gossipers. And we would say, well, that's a little severe, you know. We don't realize the implications because we don't realize the mouth was created to worship God, to praise God, to, to sing hallelujah, to encourage one another. But we use it in the most devastating ways. Sin, whether large or small, hurts. It destroys and only God really knows how severe it is and there's a justice that needs to be applied and that's what happened at the cross God took what we deserve if you were a Christian God took what you deserve and put it on Christ he's our propitiation he appeased the anger of God against sin which is against his nature it's deep but I wanted to throw that out there but again it's all a waste of time if, if Christ is not raised from the dead then how does anybody know what he said? Why, why should I believe in Christ? Why should I believe in any religious leader? Why should, I, why should you believe what I'm saying? Why should I believe what the Apostle Paul wrote? Why should I believe the New Testament? Why should I believe in Christianity? Why should I believe in Catholicism? Why should I believe in Protestantism? Why, who cares? As Paul says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then we should be pitied amongst all people if Christ is not raised. As a matter of fact, he goes as far as saying this, if Christ has not been raised, you're still dead in your sin. The Bible, to be dead in your sin biblically, is not a good thing. Not good at all. It's a serious, serious matter, the resurrection. The resurrection offers a couple of things. The first thing it offers, uh, as, as uh, Patty uh, read out of Revelation, it's a brand new existence. To be born again in this new heaven and this new earth is all because of what Christ did on Resurrection Day. He ushered in a brand new existence. Dead people who have already been raised. In the Old Testament, people have been raised from the dead. Jesus has already raised Lazarus. He raised a, a, a widow's from Nain's son. He raised a synagogue leader who's named Jairus' daughter. He raised people from the dead, but they all died again. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he wasn't even raised a sort of human anymore. He was, he was so magnificent that his own disciples couldn't decipher who he was when he walked by. He was radiant. Our minds can't comprehend the physical nature of the resurrected Christ, whose rays, as we see here in our text tonight, in power. And we'll speak about that as we go along. 
also, as it says here, if, if Christ is not raised, and there's no new heaven, new earth, there's no new existence, then the prophets are liars. John the Baptist is a liar. Isaiah, Ezekiel, all the Old Testament, Moses is a liar. They're all talking about this utopia that's going to come, that Messiah is going to usher in. But they didn't understand what kind of kingdom it was. As Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, but though I am a king, you are right. But it's not of this world. From our scripture tonight, I want to speak about four truths, and then some of its application. It will not be too deep, but there are some things I really want you to think about tonight. All right? And the first one is, it, it's a vindication of the earthly Jesus. The resurrection is a vindication of the earthly Jesus. I want to read the text again. And he was declared to be the Son of God. If you're familiar with Matthew 27, if you're familiar with Luke 23, you know there was mockers in the crowd. And they were saying, if you are the Son of God, you saved others tonight, so you save yourself, come down off the cross. You're the Son of God, you said it yourself. And they mocked him, and they spit on him. But little did they know that Jesus not just can come off a cross, but he's going to raise himself from the dead. To prove himself to be the Son of God. The crucifixion is God's way of saying everything this man has said is true. Everything the prophets have spoken about this man from Nazareth, Joseph's son, the carpenter's son, is true. He is the Son of God. This man spoke about himself as divinity. He said, before Abraham was, I am. To the Jew, they knew what that meant. Before Abraham was, I am Jehovah. I am who I am. From the book of Exodus. They understood. They picked up stones and they wanted to kill him when he said that. It was an implication that he's God. He said that uh, to see me, he told Philip, was to see the Father. He said, me and the Father are one. He claimed divinity. Many people claim divinity. They're still doing it. I saw a guy in the subway station the other day. He was claiming divinity. And uh, I, I have a feeling he wasn't. But uh, I listened to his message for a little while and I gave him a dollar, but I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> but he carried, he could talk. The guy was a good talker. But he, you know, th this man spoke above the prophets. Jesus came and said, you heard that it was said. Speaking about the prophets, speaking about Moses, that if you commit murder, you are liable to the court. But Jesus said, I say unto you, even if you're angry with your brother, you're liable to hell's fire. He's speaking above the prophets now. Who is this guy? Who is this guy who says, I'm the truth, the life, and the way? Who is this guy that says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and no one goes to the Father but through me? Who is he, a lunatic? Or is he Lord? Who is this man that says that Moses spoke of him? Who is this man that gets up in the synagogue and says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, and to open up the eyes to the blind? Who is this man? 
How dare him say someone greater than Solomon is here? Who is he to say that someone greater than the Sabbath has come? Who is this man? Who would follow such a man? Who is this man that says you must eat my body and drink my blood? Otherwise, I will have no part with you. Who is this man that says, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the door. I am the small road that leads to eternal life. Who is this man? Well, the truth of the matter is, if he does not rise from the dead, he's nobody. I mean, you should just go eat and drink for tomorrow we die. The resurrection is God's seal of approval that this is the Messiah. But it was declare him in power to be the Son of God. I'll read the text again. And he was declared to be the Son of God in power. Or powerfully displayed to be the Son of God. Listen to how many of you think that for three years the disciples knew about the triune God? I want you to think about the question. It's a brain teaser. Let me give you the answer. They had no conception of who Jesus was. They had no idea. Come follow me. They dropped their nets. They followed. The call of God was on their life. You did not choose me. I chose you to go bear fruit. Understand something, for three years they were perplexed. We see it said in John, I think it's John chapter 16, they say, Now you're speaking to us plainly and not in figures of speech. It's at the end of his ministry. It's like after three years, now you're telling us and you're speaking more clearly. Understand something, they were kids. They were 18, 19, 21 years old. That's all they were. They were Jewish boys. Maybe Matthew and you know the, the, uh, a couple others might have been a little older, but not much older. They were young. Do you think they had any comprehension that the man from Nazareth that they saw sleep, that they saw eat, maybe had some bad breath, they saw his, his humanity, do you possibly think they were saying this is God? Do you possibly think they were saying this is Jehovah? Do you possibly thought for one moment they had a rogue thought that this possibly could be the great I Am of the Old Testament? Absurd! Even when Jesus says, who do men say I am? And Peter says, well, you're, you're, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you think he's thinking divinity? No. David was a son of God. All the kings of the Old Testament were considered a son of God. And Jesus was in the line of the Divinic Covenant. So when, when Peter says that, he's thinking more in an earthly sense. Sure you are the son of God. You're, you're Messiah. You're the son of David. We know that. We believe that. You have the words of life. I have no idea what you're saying. But, but we believe. You know, to eat your body, drink your blood, I don't know. 
But we're going to follow you. There's something when you speak, my heart goes thump, thump, thump. When you speak, I love God more. When you speak, I want to obey God. I don't know what it is about you, Jesus, but there is something about you that just drives me spiritually crazy. They had no idea. Just like you and I have no idea until you're born again. When our friends look at us and they say, how can you live such a life? And we do it with joy. You don't go to R-rated movies. I said, I don't go to PG movies. I'm not going to allow the world to filthy my mind that I'm trying to sanctify on a daily basis and live for God. I mean, you don't curse. You, don't, you have no fun. No fun. I'm having a blast. I'm living with the Lord. The world doesn't understand because they don't see Jesus as God. Just a tidbit of information. When it comes to the resurrection, nobody in the New Testament, no unbeliever ever saw the resurrected Christ. Remember that. He only revealed himself to believers. Same thing today. If an unbeliever sees Jesus, he turns into a believer. You might see him in the heart today. You might come here today. You might be here today saying, you know, we really don't care about Christ. But guess what? He might care more about you than you do about him. And he might reveal himself to you. It's the way he works. They're looking for a Palestinian king. They're looking for a king with a, a, a sort of boundary, a geographical boundary, a Messiah that was going to come and get rid of Roman rule. Not a cosmic dimension. They can't, they're not fathom that this is God Almighty of the universe. They don't think that this is the God who created the heavens and the earth. And all things that are in it. They got no comprehension. Their theology isn't up and running yet. They still think he's just a man. But when they saw his glorious resurrection in power. Or God powerfully displaying he is son of God. Not an ordinary king like David was. But he is I am that I am. He's the very nature and essence of God Himself. 22, you know, 2,000 years later, we, we take our theology for granted. Most of us grew up in some kind of cultural Christian background. We grew up in some kind of Protestant or Roman Catholic background. And, you know, we know what it says. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know, Jesus Christ was born Virgin Mary. You know, Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. We, we can just, we can parakeet it naturally. You know, it's, it's ingrained into the culture. But not the culture doesn't all believe. But true believers believe. And we think, well, yeah, of course. But these guys had no idea. They had no idea that the man that walked on water was Jehovah. They had no idea that the man that healed the leper was God himself. They had no idea that there was a triune God. They didn't have no idea, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They couldn't put that together. It's the resurrection. Their whole life changed. Second uh, Corinthians 5, around the 15, 16 verse, Paul is talking about, at one time we knew Christ in the flesh, but we no longer know Him that way. Because, you know, at one time they knew Jesus as the earthly Jesus. He was the carpenter's son from Nazareth. Yeah, I'm following, come, come, come follow me. I found him who the prophets told, spoke about. 
And they would follow him, but they had no idea it was truly God. But it was after the resurrection and after their own born-again experience, they realized that this is Almighty Jehovah God. And as the years are going on and they're understanding the scriptures, they're realizing that God is triune. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The whole New Testament, just this one text speaks about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen. And he was declared to be the Son of the Father in power according to the Spirit. There's the Trinity. And only a few words. When you read through the book of Acts, you see them proclaiming the Trinity. You see them proclaiming the Father. You see them proclaiming the Son. You see them speaking about the Holy Spirit. You have lied to the Spirit of God. Acts chapter 5. They had no idea what they got into. I asked you, do you remember when you were saved? I thought I was going to a different church that played music and they danced around with tambourines. And I just liked being there. I liked singing. I liked crying. I liked hiding in the back. I don't want nobody to see me raise my hand. I don't want my wife to see me raise my hands. I don't want nobody to see me crying. But man, did I love to worship God. Did I realize what had happened to me? No. I just knew Jesus was real. Do I, could I possibly comprehend that God is in three persons? No. I can't comprehend it now, but I can fully believe it, though I can't wrap my mind around it, and I rejoice in it. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? I mean, let me, let me put it this way. Be easy on yourself. They couldn't comprehend all the implications of who Jesus was. It takes time to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It takes time, there's a learning curve of how awesome and incredible Jesus Christ is. And it, it takes a long time. Let me just say one thing about the New Testament and Jesus and Satan, okay? Every time it is spoken about Jesus' divinity and authority, Satan is always under his feet. He's never in defeat. When Jesus Christ reigns, He reigns over the whole cosmic realm. He reigns over every nation, over every man, over every person. He reigns over every demon. He reigns over Satan himself. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. This was mind-blowing to them. And we'll get into a couple of scriptures that showed us a little bit. But there's another verse that says here, He says it was according to the spirit of holiness. Or... Probably a, a, an easier way would be according to the power of the Holy Spirit or according to the Holy Spirit. All Christ did in His whole ministry was according to the Holy Spirit. His birth was what? And the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. And the thing in her was birth of the Holy Spirit. He healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. He prayed through the power of the Holy Spirit. He raised the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He went and he fought temptation in the desert for 40 days as he fasted and he hungered and he thirsted. He fought Satan with the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole Christian church for 2,000 years. We're here today because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it in John 16 that the Spirit come to glorify me. You and I can't glorify Christ in a world that hates Him. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make Jesus real. Our job is to speak about Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make Him real. How can you talk a man into being born again? How can you talk a man into being a sinner? How can you talk any individual to think they need Jesus Christ, otherwise they're doomed forever? You cannot do it. I cannot do it. What holds it all together is the power of the Holy Spirit. From beginning to end, the church moves on the power of the Holy Spirit, making real the redemption of the Son, making real the plan of the Father. It is the Holy Spirit's job. You can see their minds starting to understand the beauty of the nature of God. And it's important as we go through this. And the fourth thing I want to speak about here is that He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The risen one is not the carpenter's son anymore. This risen one is not some sort of would-be Messiah. He's Adani. He's, that's the Old Testament name for Jehovah. He has taken the name of God Himself. Jesus Christ is our God. Jesus Christ is the great I Am. Jesus Christ is Yahweh. Christus is the King. This had extreme cultural implications. If you and I today went out and said that Jesus Christ is our King, People might laugh at you, but that would be the worst. But when you did it 2,000 years ago, you were saying that Caesar is not my king. And you'd lose your head for that. Or they'd burn you at the stake. Or they would throw you in with the lions. Or even worse, they would torture to death. The claim that Jesus Christ is Lord was to go against the whole culture. I hope you see where I'm going when I go into application. Even to death, the Christians confess Christ as God. Proved to be the Son of God. Understand something. These men were different. They went against the... You think our culture is hostile to Christianity? Oh, they laughed at me. Oh, I might lose my job. Please, please understand something. We wouldn't have made it 2,000 years ago without the power of the Holy Spirit. Without holding fast and true to the apostles' teaching. The, the gospel spread in one of the most hostile environments there were. Jesus Christ is God. 
Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is King. The resurrection proved it. It is not Caesar. It is not the high priest. It is not Herod. It is not the Sadducees. It's not the Pharisees. It's not Judaism. It's, it's, not, it's not mythology. It's not. It is Jesus. Period. The infinite Son of God. I ask you today, who is Jesus to you? What's Easter? Is Easter a day to blow the dust off a Bible? People are going to churches all over the world today, dead in their sins and their transgressions. And they're leaving their churches dead in their sins and their transgressions. How do we celebrate Easter? Are we celebrating Easter by just showing up? Are we going through a formality? Are we living resurrection every day? Is Jesus Christ, Son of God, our Lord? Is He Jesus Christ, our Lord? Is He your King? And are you and are, am I His servant? Because that's the implication. Kings have subjects. Have we willfully subjected our lives to the Lordship of Christ? That will tell the world if you believe in the resurrection. That will tell the world if you believe in the crucifixion. Are we ashamed to submit to the lordship in a secular in a secular society? Are we ashamed to be politically incorrect? Is the resurrection real in our life? Is it being applied to our daily day? in the culture we live in? The resurrection, as awesome as it was, and still is, it just goes to vindicate, one thing, to vindicate Jesus' person as supreme being, summed up in the title, Lord, or Son of God in power. Christians, we got to be careful. We who proclaim and truly know that Jesus Christ is Son of God. We who proclaim and truly know that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. We have to become willing subjects to this King that rose from the dead, that God proved by the spirit of power, His deity, His power to rule the universe, His power to rule Satan and demonic activity, His power over death, His power over sin. Does he not have power over our life? Does he have any power to talk into our lives? What is the resurrection? If it's not a new birth, a new life, a new heart, a new union with Christ. Acts chapter 2, I mean Acts chapter 4, 
I'm only going to read two verses of scripture, but I think you'll get the point. And they were speaking, the disciples, or the apostles, I'll say, and the apostles were speaking to the people. And the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, who already crucified Jesus, came upon them. And they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. In the same chapter, in the 33rd verse, it says, And with great power the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus the Lord. And great grace was upon them. The word annoyed in verse 2 means to be greatly disturbed. People are disturbed about Christianity. You know what really disturbs people? When Christians talk about the risen Lord. Witnessing. We're called to witness the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do be not ashamed to speak about the resurrection of Christ. It is not your job to talk somebody into believing in a resurrection. That's God's job. Our job is to witness it. And as it says here, and great grace was upon them. It is our job to live in a secular society where pragmatism and relativism is the God of this age, is the new season on the block. We are called to go toe-to-toe with our loved ones, with love, and toe-to-toe with our co-workers and with the culture, and at the right time and the right place, speak about Jesus Christ and the resurrection, that He died for our sins, but He rose for our justification. And maybe we too can feel this great grace upon our lives too, as we witness the gospel. Jesus said, when they asked Him, tell us, when will the kingdom of God come upon the earth? And what did Jesus say? <laughs> Listen, it's not for you to know the time and the seasons. It's for you to be my witnesses and go out into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the world. Teaching them to obey you everything, I, everything I've taught you and baptizing them in my name. It's also just a little reminder of our own spiritual resurrection. If you are born again, that means you had a spiritual resurrection. It means you are saved. You have received of the Holy Spirit. You were once dead, the Bible says, but now you are alive in Christ. A spiritual the world the world hates it. Many people don't like to hear this born again. I love saying it. I love it more now than ever before. Because it is not my job to try to explain how a man... Listen, when Nicodemus came to Jesus and says, Listen, we know, Rabbi, you're doing great things, blah, blah, blah. Nobody could be doing the great things unless God himself was with him. And just said, Hey, you need to be born again. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Go figure it out, Nicodemus. He doesn't go, well, you know, Nicodemus, you know, you're, you're spiritually dead and you, you, know, you need to receive of my Holy Spirit. He doesn't go through no long dialogue with him. He just, he lays it out. You need to be born again. Go to the scriptures, find out. You should know you're a teacher of Israel. And then we get one of the greatest teachings on witnessing the gospel. If I be lifted up, I draw all men unto myself. For the spirit blows to and fro 
and you don't see where the Holy Spirit blows to and fro. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Understand something. There is nothing more miraculous in life than the new birth. It is just as miraculous as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many people have gone into church to pass time to come out saved. Many people have picked up the Bible to pass time and were born again. Many people said a sinner's prayer because they wanted to appease someone to realize that God gripped their heart. Someone uh, uh, appeased a friend that kept on coming to church because someone annoyed them to death. But they came and one day they got saved. Because it's not of us, it's of God. Just like the resurrection was of God. Every time a man is born again, it's of God. Do not be ashamed of being born again. Do not be ashamed of the religion we believe in. Do not be ashamed that we call Jesus Lord. Do not be ashamed that we call Him Son of God. Do not be ashamed that He rose from the dead. Do not be ashamed He's coming back to judge the quick and the dead. Do not be ashamed, period. It is the Holy Spirit's job to glorify the Son. It is our job just to witness Him. I ask, is Easter just another religious day for most of us here? Has God not spoken to us? Easter, Resurrection Day, I'll use the word Easter just because it's... People understand. For a Christian, Easter is not a day. It's not a day. It's an historical time, space, event that happened in your life. I'm looking at people now that I know that are truly saved. I'm looking at, I know you're here. You love the Lord. You can't stop speaking about the Lord. Something's happened to your life. It's an event. It's not something you put on the calendar to get a day off. Or maybe double time at work. It's an event that happens to a sinner whose life has been resurrected from the inside out. And the world won't understand it, just like the world didn't understand Jesus. And remember, if they hate you, it's because they hated him first. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the resurrection of your Son. By the Spirit of holiness. And that you demonstrated this this would-be Messiah to be the Son of God in power. You powerfully portrayed your son and vindicated every word he ever said, every step he ever took. You vindicated the moment he was conceived in in Mary's womb and he divested himself of all the use of his divinity. For our sake, he became a man. Though he existed in a form of God, he did not grasp equality, something to hold on to, but he emptied himself for our sake God we thank you Lord for every good and perfect gift that comes from above God we thank you for your awesome great patience in our life Father God let us never treat the resurrection of Jesus as some sort of uh, event on a calendar that happened 2,000 years ago but Father God it's something that pierced into eternity God it's of another dimension Our lives as believers now are of another dimension. We have eternal spirit within us, God. We have entered into the eternal zone. We are already there, one foot in heaven already, Father God. 
And we thank you for it, Lord God. We thank you for the hope of glory. Christ Jesus in us, our Lord.